everybody. How you doing? And welcome to the John Riley Project. Happy Friday to y'all. And thanks for joining us today. We got a great episode in store for you. We're going to talk about the mysterious, fully automated Amazon supermarket, which, by the way, may be solving, potentially solving a mystery here in our town of Poway. We're going to talk a little bit also about last night's Padre Dodger game and some really good life lessons that came from that game. And then finally, I want to get into Earth Day. Um, Earth Day, you know, we celebrated that yesterday. And, you know, normally we think of, of Earth Day as a day when our progressive friends, our friends on the left, will celebrate, um, you know, all the environmental causes. Well, I want to make a case on why Earth Day is a great day for people of all political persuasions to celebrate, not just liberals, but also conservatives and independents and everyone else. So um, we'll talk about that as well. So thanks for joining me on the live stream. You know, we do this every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at two. Um, and we welcome your thoughts and comments. It is a live stream. So feel free to type them in on YouTube or on Facebook. We'll see them here on the air and I'll be very happy to read them. Um, so yeah, we're we're going to get into a bunch of stuff today. And um, thanks for joining me. You know, it's funny how these podcasts come together. I'm often, uh, you know, wondering what we're going to do, you know, doing this three days a week, you got to come up with new material all the time. But I was really happy that we came up with this topic. Uh, it was just really some from some research that I was doing on Zero Hedge. Have you ever gone to zerohedge.com? It's kind of an interesting news site that has slightly more edgy topics. And there was an article that caught my attention, and it was called The Mysterious Fully Automated Amazon Supermarket. And the reason that this caught my attention was because we have a new supermarket that's being built here in Poway that is something of a mystery, and a lot of people are wondering what it's going to be. And there are people that have been assuming that it's going to be an Amazon uh, store. Like I think it's called Amazon Fresh or maybe it's going to be Whole Foods, which, by the way, is owned by Amazon. But the construction seems to be slow and kind of taking its time. And and if it was just another Whole Foods or Amazon Fresh, you think they would have just announced it. Right. But they've been very coy and when I read this article, I thought, aha, this must be what they're putting in is this fully automated supermarket. And I want to go through this article with you because it was really interesting. And I'll include a link in the show notes. And the title is A Mysterious New Grocery Store in Connecticut Could Be a Fully Automated Amazon Supermarket. So apparently Amazon has plans for dozens of these stores. Um, they're Amazon Fresh supermarkets, but they have automated checkout technology that will it completely transform the supermarket industry and the experience of shoppers in supermarkets. So some of the Amazon Fresh supermarkets already employ fleets of what are called smart grocery carts, and they call them dash carts, who have, they have sensor technology and cameras that can add up people's purchases as they walk up and down the aisles. So this is cool. So this is where you, you can literally walk down the aisle. You can pull an item off a shelf as you place it into your shopping cart. It will 
calculate how much, you know, what that product is, how much it is. And then you're see, you're going to see in real time as you're shopping your, your grocery bill being added up. So you, you know, if you're trying to stay within a budget, you can monitor that. Um, and it's, it's an automated process. So the the plan uh, uh, you know apparently bloomberg had done some investigation into this store that's being built in in brookfield connecticut and there were many clues that were provided you know because amazon's being very secretive about this and you know this is potentially the next big move in the grocery industry but it could altogether just remove the need for cashiers and for self checkout right like a lot of people have gotten angry with self-checkout because they think, well, what about these workers? And they don't have the opportunity to, to work now. They're being displaced by technology. Well, and in, che- in self-checkout, we have to do the work for them, right? We're scanning the items and putting them in bags. Well, this would eliminate both the regular traditional checkout where you put the goods on conveyor belts and the the, the checkout person scans everything for you and adds it up. This would also remove the 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 um, you know the individual checkout or the self checkout um, aisles as well, where we have to scan them and bag them and everything else. This would blow up everything. So this was just really interesting to me. And so apparently everyone is very hush hush about this at Amazon. But I was thinking, you know, here in my hometown of Poway, everyone is very hush hush about this supermarket that's going in, you know, actually really close to where the Poway protesters uh, show up on Sundays, which we've talked a lot about on this podcast, out on the corner of Palmerado and Twin Peaks. And so the when the city council approved that grocery store to go in, they approved some renovations. And, you know, I drive by it you know, usually about once or twice a day. I go into that shopping center near Target because I go visit my buddy Dennis at Postal Annex and get my mail. I was talking to him today. You know, the Padres and LA Dodgers are playing the series right now. And I told you we have a bet for the the whole season, a hundred bucks at the end of the year, who's going to win more games out of the 19. By the way, it's tied 2-2 now. Um, But anyways, I just drove by it this morning. And sure enough, you, you can see they're doing a lot of construction inside. But if they're just building up like the frame of a grocery store, if it's just building up walls, like it seems like they're taking a long time, doesn't it? So then I read this article and I'm thinking, ah, I'll bet you there's something cooking here. And this is just my hunch. It's my spidey senses are tingling. But I think this is what it is. So they're all hush-hush about the project at Amazon. The city council was sort of kind of hush-hush about what was going to go in there because they didn't disclose what grocer was going to be placed there. But apparently um, there are clues that they found in this store that's being uh, installed in Connecticut that it will be fully automated with cameras and artificial intelligence tracking customers and adding up their purchases as they cruise the aisles. So, um, according to Bloomberg, you know, was this is this Bloomberg the the company? Um, yeah, it must be. Yeah, Bloomberg. Well, obviously not Michael Bloomberg, but his his um, media company Bloomberg. They said that as shoppers enter these locations, they will do so by swiping their smartphone at the entry gate, um, and inside they're tracked by cameras, software algorithms. And shelf centers that charge for what they take when exiting through the designated gates. And I know this sounds kind of spooky. This sounds kind of big brother. But 
it's, you know, technology is moving fast, friends. And in a lot of ways, this kind of technology is really exciting. You know, it's one thing if the government and the NSA are like spying on you or, you know, that's a whole different thing. But if private companies, they're doing this to try to provide more value to the shopper, to provide more um you know, a greater shopping experience to save money, to save time. I mean, this is exciting stuff. And the proposed grocery store, this is according to the real estate company in Connecticut who owns the strip mall, recently told their local newspaper that the, quote, proposed grocery store client is extremely secretive as a product of the company's foundation um, um, as a technology company. So again, this smells like it could be the same thing. So I welcome your thoughts and comments on the live stream. You know, feel free to type them in in Facebook and YouTube. I'll see them on my screen here, and I'll be happy to read them on the air. But when I read this article on Zero Hedge, and I'll include this link in the show notes after I, you know, finish posting the podcast afterwards. Um, this caught my attention, and this figured this feels like what's going on in my hometown of Poway. And I'm interested in your thoughts, you know, because when they put this in, people were looking at the renderings that the city council approved. And they said, you know, this kind of looks like an Amazon Fresh that someone saw up in the San Fernando Valley in L.A. Other people have, have uh, surmised that it's just going to be another Whole Foods. Then people are aware of Amazon Fresh's, um, you know, their 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 um initiative to essentially allow people to shop from home and have goods delivered. Could this actually be just a warehouse with a really small retail profile? But the fact that it's taking so long to build this and which, which should be a, a fairly simple operation. I mean, frankly, there was a grocery store there before. So if it's just going to be another grocery store, I mean, it doesn't really take rocket science to put in some lighting and some walls and a new flooring and shelving and make it look attractive. They're clearly doing something at that store location that's going to be different, that they're building some kind of infrastructure into that store. That's my sense. You know, I feel like one of the guys on Ancient Aliens, you know, trying to predict what was going on. But um, I, I just want to just take this topic and explore it with you. I'm interested in your thoughts on this because on one level, people might react negatively to this. Like, oh, my God, the store is measuring what, what I'm buying and they're scanning what I'm buying. And But think this through. This could be a really great deal for both the consumer and for the 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 grocer, which in this case is Amazon. So number one is you never have to ca- check out. I mean, imagine that you you could go down the, the get your cart. And first you walk in with your smartphone. Right. And you scan your smartphone so it knows who you are because you have the app. And then you just get a cart and you go down the aisle and you just start cherry picking goods off the off the cart of shelves place them in your cart. They're scanned as you place them in your cart. You have a small, almost like a small computer monitor right there where you put your hands, where you push the cart. So you can see your total being added up as you place goods in your cart. It's like the screen that the that the checkout person would have. You know, it goes bleep, bleep, bleep. And as you're adding items into your cart, you're seeing them show up with the price. And then when you're done, you don't have to wait in line. 
You don't have to wait in line behind, you know, four or five other yahoos that are, you know, wait and you end up wasting your time. You don't have to go through the self-checkout line and get everything out of your cart and scan it all and put it in bags and then put it back in your cart and go to your car. You just literally walk out the door. And then the app charges you and you automatically see what the price is. I'm sure there's probably going to be something on the screen that you can click on and accept. So this is pretty cool. So as a, as a shopper, it can save you a lot of time because it's going to make the checkout essentially zero. I mean, you just walk out the door. But it's also going to be able to monitor your prices. So let's say you're shopping and you're on a budget and you know money's tight this week and you only have so many dollars to spend. Well, it's doing the math for you as you're walking down the aisle, putting things into your cart. You can see exactly how much you're spending. Um, but imagine if they take this further and here I'm just surmising, I don't know what they're really going to do. Frankly, I don't even know if this is what they're going to put into the store here in Poway, but I think again, my spidey senses are tingling. I think that's what this is, but imagine the benefits that can come from this. Imagine if you could see recipes and then download those recipes into the app. Maybe you're you're online the night before you find some interesting recipes and you download them into, into the app. Then while you're walking down the aisles, it'll tell you what to get. It'll tell you, oh yeah, you need this spice or you need to go get this type of chicken or you need to, you know, go go get these vegetables. It'll give you instructions on what to get. If they plan this properly, it could be very exciting. Or imagine you're a last minute shopper or, you know, maybe you're, you know, a bachelor and you didn't plan in advance. You imagine if the app was already set up and they could say, here are three great recipes for tonight. Click on one of these and then it could load it up into the app and then tell you what to buy and tell you, hey, go down aisle number three. And, um, and oh, you're on aisle number five. As long as you're here, make sure you get this other item. It could actually make your shopping experience a lot easier. So it synchronizes with recipes. Um, another opportunity that I think if they plan this right is it could save you money. I, imagine if you're a coupon shopper. Imagine if you can upload and scan all your coupons in advance, like, you know, like when they send out periodicals and, you know, when they send out those flyers that you get in the mail with all the coupons. Um, but you could also imagine that this is synchronized with something like Honey. Are you familiar with Honey? It's a plugin that goes into your Chrome browser that will tell you when there are promo codes when you're shopping online. It's, it's a really great little tool. Imagine if they had something like that plugged in where you could be alerted to discounts as you're shopping. And, you know, these are discounts that are typically funded by, not by Amazon as the grocer, they're typically paid for by the supplier, by the manufacturer of those goods. So it's no skin off of Amazon's back to erode their profit margin. This could just be another exciting way for them to help customers save money because the whole system potentially could be integrated with coupons. Again, I don't know if that's what they're going to do. I'm just kind of forward thinking, looking into my crystal ball of the possibilities. Um, and then also imagine these stores really would need very little personnel. So you could keep these stores open almost all night. Um, they would have cameras so they could monitor for theft. You know, maybe you have a security guard that kind of roams around, but 
these stores potentially could be open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So depending on your lifestyle, depending on what's going on in your world, sometimes, you know, we've all had those situations where we needed something late at night and we go to the grocery store and it closed at nine o'clock and because you didn't check the hours. Um, I remember when I was in college, sometimes I would go grocery shopping like in the wee hours of the morning. I would be studying, you know, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, midnight, one in the morning, and then I would go shopping sometimes um, if the stores were open 24 hours. Well, here they could be open 24 hours. That's a pretty exciting thing. Um, and imagine also if you have dietary needs. Let's say you're not allowed to have products with gluten or sugar or any other any other um, yeah, special needs that you might have. Well, you could program that into your app as part of your preferences, and then it could alert you to avoid certain things. Or maybe you put a product into your cart that has gluten, you didn't realize it, and then they can warn you and say, hey, this product has gluten, this is not good for you, and, and, and you would put it back on the shelf. Or perhaps it would offer recommendations for products based on your dietary needs. I mean, this could be amazing. Um, because how often we go through a shop, uh, go shopping, sometimes, you know, we're tired and we're exhausted and, you know, we, we don't always read the label properly. Um, this could simplify that process tremendously and help people live healthier diets and save money and save time. So this is cool. And it will also help you save um, time and embarrassment if from making a mistake. You know, let's say you are shopping for a recipe and you pull the wrong product off the shelf. The, 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 the smart technology could see that and then tell you, hey, that's the wrong product. You need to not buy the four-ounce item. You need to get the eight-ounce item. Or you bought the one with gluten. You need to get the gluten-free one. You know, So they can help resolve those mistakes or in some cases offer recommendations. Like if you're putting in um, pasta and tomatoes and tomato paste and it looks like you're obviously making some kind of an Italian meal, perhaps you didn't plan your recipe in advance, then when you're walking down the aisle where the Parmesan cheese is, they might be able to recommend products. Hey, you might, looks like you're making an Italian meal. You might want to pick up some Parmesan cheese. So this could actually be cool if it's done right. Um, here on the live stream, Kevin Kennedy chiming in, uh, a warning that this product is grown in China. Yeah, well, you know, there are some people that, yeah, they, they want to buy American goods, you know, America. We want to made in America, America first. You know, there's a lot of people that want to shop like that. Well, imagine programming that into your app. And then it would alert you if you're buying products that are not made in America. Or maybe it would alert you if you're buying products that are known to be made with GMO, right? With, gen what is it, genetically modified organism. I know a lot of people shop that way. This could revolutionize the way people shop. I mean, to me, this is exciting. As a shopper, imagine if all of this went in. As shoppers, a lot of people would be freaking out. Um, as shoppers, we would think Big Brother is watching us. And it's not really Big Brother, though, is it? I mean, the, the whole 1984 George Orwell novel, Big Brother was the government, the authority, you know, that if you didn't comply, it would catch you and put you in jail. Uh, throw you into the gulag. 
that's not what this is. This would be a case where you were being watched by Amazon, but with the intent to make your shopping experience better, to save you money, to save you time, and to recommend products that are a better fit for what you're trying to do. This is really cool. Now, on the other end, there's a lot. I mean, again, I'm I'm pre-imagining this. I'm looking into my I'm future casting, right? I'm looking into my crystal ball to try to th- figure out what the possibilities are. Because again, all this is hush hush. Amazon's not talking about it. The store that's going in here in Poway, they're not really talking about it. I, there's a lot of chatter on our Facebook groups. Hey, what's going on over there at that grocery store? Does anyone know what's going on? They've been working on it a long time, but we don't really know. But this could be it. And I'll, again, I'll share the, this article from Zero Hedge in the show notes. But imagine from the grocer's perspective, in this case, Amazon, what does this do for them? Now, Number one, this could make their life, if they do it right, very efficient. I mean, they could automate the entire process of how products are priced, right? Because, the you know, remember back in the old-fashioned days when you got a product off a shelf, there was a sticker on it that showed the price, right? Then imagine if there's a price change, they had to go through and re-sticker every item. I mean, that's like, you know, going back 40, 50 years. Well, now they have the scannable barcodes on the product. So the product itself doesn't have a price, but in a lot of these grocery stores, they actually have to have a tag on the shelf that tells the price. Well, when they change the price, they got to go update all those tags. I mean, that takes a lot of human effort and there's a lot of potential for error. Sometimes the tags are misplaced. They're not put in the right location or the tags may be wrong. And so it might say on the on the um, tag that the product costs a dollar ninety nine, and you go to scan it, and it's actually three ninety nine, or it's only seventy nine cents. Right? Sometimes it could be wrong. If they plan this properly, they could automate that whole process so the tags are electronic that are updated when the computer database updates. So when they change the price of a good. They could change it, and with one click, it cascades through all their stores and updates all those tags. That's a huge deal in terms of saving time and and human resources. It makes the business operation much more efficient, in this case for Amazon. But it also is going to save money for Amazon because they're not going to need as much staff. I mean, if you go to a grocery store now, you know, there's a certain amount of staff that's there that stocks the shelves. There's staff there. I mean, frankly, I should have Mike Ryan in here. Mike, a good friend of ours who's been a guest on the podcast a few times. Mike is in the grocery business. He works you know, down the street here at Albertsons. He often talks about the business. I should have him in here discussing this with me because the workers do a tremendous amount of work, you know, getting everything organized for the day, especially like he works in the, manages the produce department. You got to have fresh vegetables everything out there every day. That takes effort. You can't automate that. But there's a significant percentage of the employee base at these stores that all they do is doing checkouts, right? They're, they're managing the checkout counters. And then if they're not doing that, they're doing the bagging. So all of this could just go away. So then you would only need staff there to stock the shelves and to you know, maybe one person to just kind of keep an eye on things. I mean, again, I'm 
bit over my skis on this. Uh, Mike would probably smack me around. But the point is, is that you would need a lot less people. So the business operation could be a lot more efficient uh, from a price perspective and then really from a management perspective. There's less people to manage. It's just simpler for Amazon. Um, And because they are saving money on not having as many people, well, they could pocket those profits themselves or they could say this is a competitive advantage and they could lower their prices so they're cheaper than a fully staffed um, grocery store. And then imagine what that would do in the marketplace. That could give them a leg up. That could make them – that could give them a competitive advantage where prices are generally going to be less expensive because they have less overhead. And if they play the game right and they kind of you know sort of – how, how do they say that? Sort of cut through the middle of it. They can do both. They can lower prices enough to give them a competitive advantage, but they could also maximize their profit margin to a, a greater degree than they did before because the cost of human labor is a significant portion of how businesses are run. And a lot of that could be eliminated. So to me, this is very interesting. So I, I invite your thoughts and comments, especially here, my local friends here in the city of Poway. What do you think? What do you think of this? Um, number one, what do you think of this technology? Do you think it's good? Um, do you think it has uh, uh, an evil an evil angle to it? I know some people will. Um, and then secondly, do you think this is possibly what they're talking about putting in to that new grocery store at the intersection of Pomerado and Twin Peaks? To me, this is very intriguing, and we already know that it's likely going to be Amazon in some form, right? It's either going to be Amazon Fresh or Whole Foods. That's what we both – that's what we were told. It was likely going to be one of those two. But imagine if it's this Amazon Fresh with all of this fully automated technology that completely revolutionize the way people do shopping, to be a game changer in the industry. And this potentially could put Poway as one of those um, locations that's really on the forefront of this technology, testing it and experiencing benefits from it. Pretty cool. Now, again, I I don't know if that's what they're going to put in there, but it sounds, I mean, this article just came out today on Zero Hedge and it perfectly matches up with, what I'm seeing and what I'm, what my gut is telling me. So I'm interested in your thoughts and comments. But wow, it's pretty cool. Um, speaking of Poway, um, one of our sponsors, uh, you know, go to the website PowayIsAwesome.com. PowayIsAwesome.com, and you can get free Poway wallpaper. And this is like the background image that you would have on your desktop computer or on a tablet, or even on a smartphone. Um, And this background wallpaper features photos of Lake Poway, Old Poway Park. And when you sign up on the list to to get those that free download, you also get a series of emails that gives Poway restaurant reviews, things to do in Poway, a little bit of Poway history. So go to powayisawesome.com and check it out. If you happen to be a local here in my hometown of Poway, maybe you live here in San Diego County and you want to learn more about Poway, the city in the country. We were just debating that online earlier this morning. 
people are freaking out about all the development on Poway Road and how could they do this in the city and the country? Um, Poway, that's our motto, the city and the country, but it really isn't, hasn't been the city and the country since the 1980s, in my opinion. Um, Poway has changed a lot, in, in, in many ways good, in some ways bad, um, but uh, it's, it's interesting. So anyways, check out our sponsor, Poway is Awesome. Dot com and uh, and you can learn more. Okay, um, one other. Well, let's get into this whole Padres topic from last night. Now, uh, I'm a huge baseball fan, big Padre fan. I talk about them all the time on the podcast. Um, if you're watching the video stream, you can see over my right shoulder, I've got little figurines of of Tony Gwynn and Trevor Hoffman, and and so, anyways. The Padres are playing the Dodgers, big four-game series, two best teams you know, in the National League on paper. Padres got off to a bit of a slow start, but the Dodgers are roaring. And they had a great game last night. And, man, it was, it was, it was awesome. I mean, Ryan Weathers, the young pitcher, only 21 years old. Um, and he was lights out, a one-hit shutout through six innings. And um, was just so impressive as a young man out there. The L.A. fans, you know, the game's up at Dodger Stadium. The fans are chanting, Manny sucks. And, and then he ends up getting a base hit to drive in Tatis to put the Padres ahead. But then the game got tied. Um, and it was tied, I think, by the Dodgers in the seventh inning. They hit back-to-back home runs. It was A.J. Pollock and this new kid, Noisy, is his name. Kind of a funny name. And... The Padres ended up, how did this work out? In the eighth inning, they ended up scoring another run, okay? And they went up 3-2. And then in the bottom of the eighth, there was uh, the Dodgers had loaded the bases with one out, and we were all worried that something bad was going to happen. And the Dodger hitter, it was noisy again, hits this hot shot. To, to Jake Cronenworth at second base, who knocks it down, makes this great play, flips it to Fernando Tatis Jr., who turns the double play at second, throws the ball to first place to Eric Hosmer, and that ends the, the eighth inning and ends the threat and preserves the Padres' 3-2 lead. It was a huge moment in the game. Huge moment in the game. It was a tough play. It saved the game for the Padres. And everyone was just really excited about it. Now, again, this I'm going to get to why this is meaningful in our lives. I'm not here just to talk about baseball. But this is impactful in our lives because in the offseason, and particularly during spring training, they, the Padres have a coach. His name's Bobby Dickerson. And he's their third base coach, and he's kind of like the assistant head coach, I think. And he's old school, and he's an infield coach. And he had been teaching these infielders over and over again to slow the game down mentally, to slow it down. And he he quoted, he goes, the more chaotic the game gets, the calmer they need to be. And that is exactly what Jake Cronenworth and Fernando Tatis Jr. did in that situation. And I think that's a really good life lesson to the more chaotic the game gets, the calmer we need to be. So life can be very chaotic. Life can be stressful. Um, And sometimes things feel like they're out of control. And it's in those moments where we have to be mentally calm so we can work our way through it. 
And that's exactly what they did. And it's a matter of, yeah, just reducing stress and simplifying so you can regain focus. Now, one of the tricks that I've always done in these situations, I don't know if you have tools that you you work through. There are moments, especially in my work life, where I just feel overwhelmed. Maybe you've been in those situations. Or maybe in your personal life, you feel overwhelmed. And there's too much going on, and every situation is some kind of a crisis, some kind of a fire you got to put out, and, and, and it can feel overwhelming, right? And those are difficult moments. Sometimes when I'm in those types of crises, I look at my desk, and my desk itself is often a reflection of, how, of, of what's going on in my mind. You know, my mind is a cluttered mess. Sometimes in those moments, my desk is a cluttered mess because I'm trying to manage 23 projects at once and every one of them is in high alert. Maybe you felt that way. Well, one of the things that I do is I often will clean my desk. And in doing so, it calms me and it organizes and organizing my desk. It helps me organize my mind. And in organizing my mind, I feel a lot calmer. Now, other things that I'll do sometimes similarly, you know, go for a walk, go for a drive. In fact, I did that this morning. I went for a drive and I went, drove right past the grocery store. I went into the parking lot because I had to go check my mail at Postal Annex. Um, going for a drive is another thing that's really good to do to help you decompress. And it's a way to slow things down. So you can be calmer. So I really thought that was a really special thing that happened in that Padre game. It was an amazing play. I mean, what Cronenworth did, and Jake Cronenworth, this is kid. I mean, you know, granted, he's 27. He's young for being a – he's old for being a young ball player. He made his major league debut last year in the shortened season. So when you add up last season and this, he's only been in the big leagues for like three months. But just shows so much maturity, so much calmness of mind. What he did is he took a 105-mile-an-hour shot. They hit that ball, and they, that, that's the big thing in baseball now is they're measuring the speed that the ball comes off the bat. It was 105 miles an hour, this baseball coming at him. I mean, that's insane. And he was able to knock it down. He couldn't field it cleanly. It was hit so hard. But he got his body over there. He knocked it down. He found the ball. He, he, he took that moment, rather than being frantic, he turned and found the ball. And he flipped it to Fernando Tatis Jr., who also was in a moment of slowing the game down. He didn't rush himself. He, uh, as he got the ball, is when he approached the bag, tagged the bag, and then made just a rocket throw to first base to get the Dodger runner by a half a step and turn the double play. But all of that, was a case of decompressing, refocusing on what was important, and then coming back organized and focused on doing what you needed to do. Now, granted, Jake Cronenworth did his part in like a split second, <laughs> and, and so did Fernando Tatis Jr. But they were able to effectively slow the game down. And sometimes that's all it requires, just a tiny little tick a second, a millisecond of slowing things down that makes it easier to understand the world around you. Now, an inexperienced ball player 
A, might not have been able to knock that ball down. But even if they did, they could have been panicked and could have been frantically looking for the ball and then panicked when they found it to make a bad throw. Cronenworth slowed the game down. He calmly found the ball. He calmly flipped it to second base so Tatis could turn the double play. He slowed the game down. He did what Bobby Deckerson said. The more chaotic the game gets, the calmer they need to be. And I just think that was just a really, really cool thing. Um, And and besides the Padres won, and it was a great game. Um, Yuri Bolin on the live stream says, what is your opinion on the council amending the community church thrift shops being able to return to the new carriage center. I have been trying to save the thrift shops for three years, and I'm extremely grateful to council member Frank for bringing this new amendment to allow them back. I'm curious if some people are unhappy about this. Well, Yuri, I I, I talked about this on Wednesday. We had our marathon two hour podcast on Wednesday, and this was discussed probably in the last 30 minutes or so. So my understanding is, is that, the thrift stores have been displaced because of the you know the new development, and the thrift stores are zoned according to a certain category, which precludes them from being able to rent space in many many areas throughout Poway. Now, you know Councilman Kaylin Frank, who's been my guest here on the podcast twice, who's a, um, a lovely young woman and is you know in my opinion doing many good things for the city of Poway. Um, she is proposing to change the zoning regulations that would open up thrift stores to be eligible to rent space in other strip malls that they were previously precluded from. I think that's a great idea. Now, Yuri, I assume that's what you're talking about. I think that's a great idea. I think that the zoning regulations is... Is, is a huge problem. I mean, this is kind of the whole idea of central planning run amok. Zoning regulations are a tool that people in power use to keep undesirables out, whether they are, you know, in this case, thrift stores that may not be a glamorous business or in some cases, competition. That's what regulations often are used to do. I mean, we could see that with, you know, at the national level with big pharma. Regulations on pharmaceuticals keep competitors out. Um, and there's a lot of examples of that. Um, but with the thrift stores, which, again, this is kind of a hot topic in our local community, they should be able to rent space wherever they can. They should be able to freely negotiate with any uh, commercial property uh, landlord to set up shop. And if they can independently come up with a lease arrangement that works for the landlord and works for the thrift store, then that should be a good thing that benefits both parties. But unfortunately, they're limited. It, it's illegal for thrift stores to set up shop in certain areas of Poway Road. Now, in my opinion, there's a way that the market kind of sorts this out on its own, if you let it. Because the marketplace is such that a thrift store is not going to be renting really high-end retail space, right? A thrift store, A, doesn't have a whole lot of money to spend in the first place, and B, they're trying to save every nickel because it's a fundraiser for the church. So the very nature of a thrift store business is that they're going to do business and want a low lease 
a, a low price lease, which is typically going to be found in older commercial property, maybe in commercial property in less ideal locations. And so if you just let the market sort it out, the thrift stores will find a place that works for them. And it doesn't, they don't need to be told where it's legal or illegal for them to do business. Um, so I know that Kalen Frank's proposal was to not deregulate it, but to loosen the regulations. So there are now more places that become eligible, but there are still places that are, that are off limits. There are still places that are illegal. But frankly, the places that they're deeming illegal for them to set up shop are probably unaffordable for them in the first place. And that's what I mean by the market has a way of sorting it out. So, Yuri, I don't know if I'm answering your question correctly. Um, I'm hopeful that there are, our thrift stores here in Poway find a place to continue business. Um, one other thing about baseball, we were talking about the Padres-Dodgers. Did you see the highlights of the Giants-Miami Marlins game? This couple was there. They had this enormous rabbit at the game, and I guess they were calling it a therapy rabbit, but it was a huge bunny. Like maybe is this a hare? I mean, what's the difference between a hare and a rabbit? I don't know. But this thing was like bigger than a dog, Um, and it was all over the news. It was something. One of my friends is up in San Francisco. He was watching the Giants game, telling me all about it. Of course, I was glued to the Padre game. If you get a chance, if you want to check it out, Google uh, San Francisco Giants rabbit and you'll see the pictures of the and it's cool. And it's amazing that they let the the, the bunny into the game, I guess, maybe because it's a therapy animal. Can we bring therapy dogs into baseball games? And they, this was up at Oracle Park in San Francisco where the Giants play. You think that if there was a ballpark where they would allow pets, it would be here in San Diego, right at Petco Park. Uh, This is something. So it's worth checking out. Okay, uh, moving along here on the live stream. um, Happy Friday to y'all. I do want to comment a bit on Earth Day. And that's our our next topic. But before we get there, um, I encourage you to continue the conversation with me online in social media. And if you go to um, my, uh, I have a website, a domain set up called connectwithjohnny.com connectwithjohnny.com. If you go there uh, to connectwithjohnny.com, all of my social media links are there. You can also see all the audio-only podcast platforms that we broadcast from. You can even sign up on our mailing list. Um, So if you want to continue the conversation on Facebook or on Twitter, Instagram, if you want to... uh, you know, learn more about ways you can access this podcast because it's not just live streaming on YouTube and Facebook. You know, we're on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts and Stitcher and Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora. You want all those links, go to connectwithjohnny.com and you can get that. Okay, uh, moving along, let's talk about Earth Day. And today is what, Friday the 23rd? And Earth Day was yesterday, April 22nd. Um, and you may have seen, you know, a, uh, some of this on the news last night. It was a big deal for a lot of people. Earth Day is really, you know, this kind of like the the holiday for environmentalists, right? It's about reconnecting with our Earth, and it's a lot of recycling initiatives, a lot of clean energy initiatives, kind of all link up with Earth Day. And you know, it has a political angle to it, right? It's it's typically our 
our more progressive friends, our, our more liberal friends are the ones that are the tree huggers, right? They're the ones that love the earth uh, as a general rule. I'm making sweeping assumptions here. They're the ones that really are more likely to embrace Earth Day, right? Because usually our our more conservative friends, our right-wing friends, some of our MAGA friends sometimes will thumb their nose at the environmentalists and make fun of them. And it becomes a political battle. Like it's one of the flashpoints in the political conversation. But I want to make a case here because I'm a big proponent of green energy and of sustainable technology and all the like. But I'm not a tree hugger. And I've, you know, I've over time have become more environmentally aware, but a lot of my motivation uh, to pursue a lot of this technology, and and I'm going to go through a list of a lot of things that we're doing in our family, I do it purely for selfish reasons. Um, I do it because it saves me money. And and I think I want to make a case for a lot of, let's say, conservatives, libertarians, independent people, maybe tightwads. I mean, whatever you want to, whatever land you land in, whatever world you live in, if you're not a liberal, there's still a lot to like with Earth Day. Because, you know, we, we all know that the that the wind is blowing in that direction right i mean you might not you might think that solar energy and wind energy is you know is foolish and and you might thumb your nose at it but like it or not the government is investing a ton of money in it um and the automobile manufacturers are shifting to it i mean there's huge momentum going in that direction and like we said in a previous podcast sometimes you have to find a way to go with the flow rather than trying to fight the fight, right? Trying to roll your boulder up the hill. You know, if you keep fighting and fighting and fighting for fossil fuels, which by the way, have lots of benefits themselves. I mean, fossil fuels are help, what help build America. But if you keep trying to fight for fossil fuels and against alternative energy, I mean, you're, it's like rolling a boulder up a hill. And it, there's ways to go with the flow and find opportunity. And that's what I want to share with you. There are things you can do to go with the green flow and save money. And I want to just list a few of them. And these are things that I'm doing here in my house with my family that have been just really, really successful. And the first thing is we got solar energy. And I'll tell you what, solar energy has saved us money, a lot of money. I mean, our electric bills in the summertime with San Diego Gas and Electric, which have some of the highest electric rates in the nation, the electric portion only of our bill could sometimes be $600, $800 per month. You know, that might be in really hot times when we're, you know, probably using the air condition aggressively, but still, you know, and then you add up the gas. I mean, some of those bills were enormous during the summertime. Um, when we got our solar panels, it cut our energy, uh, our cost for energy in less than half instantly. It was unbelievable. We've now gotten to the point where we are generating more energy from our solar panels that we send back in the grid than we actually use. So we are, you know, they talk about uh, minimizing your carbon footprint from a, an electricity perspective, we're negative. <laughs> uh, we're using negative energy. We 
create more energy than we use. It's like we have our own power plant on our, the roof of our house. It's the coolest thing. And it powers everything in our home. And we are generating excess. We have a surplus of energy that we send back into the grid. So we don't have to pay SDG&E for electricity at all. I mean, it's a beautiful thing, especially in an area here in San Diego County where our electricity rates are stupid high. So solar is just such a no-brainer if you live here in Southern California. It's literally flipped our electric bill upside down. Now, the second thing are electric cars. And we've talked about that many times in our podcast. We have two EVs. Um, I've been driving an electric vehicle since, I think, 2012. Um, I just think the technology is really cool. Back then, I, I think my first car I had was a Ford C-Max plug-in that was a plug-in hybrid that you would plug in. And back then, this is in 2012, I only got like 21 miles of electric charge. And then after that 21 miles, you know, essentially was used, then it was a hybrid car, kind of like a, like a Honda Prius or Toyota Prius. Well, now we're further, much further down the line. Now I drive a Hyundai Kona electric vehicle, which gets 258 miles of range, but I typically get about 300 the way I drive it. And then my fine wife drives a Tesla Model 3. So we have two cars. We don't use a lick of gas or, um, you know, or oil, you know, because there's no engine in these cars. It's, it's like a, it's like a big slot car, you know, like Pete Neal's Butterwood, Butter, <laughs> Butterwood Raceway. Um, it's like a big slot car. There's no engine. So there's no gasoline, no oil. I mean, there's really virtually no maintenance in these cars either. You don't have to get the 30,000 mile maintenance and the $45,000 maintenance. And oh my God, your transmission goes out and you have to spend $2,000. I mean, that doesn't happen with electric cars. These things save us a ton of money because we're not paying for gas. And I'm charging the cars with our solar panels. So again, this is the thing. I mean, that's the greatest thing about Earth Day is Earth Day is celebrating all these technologies. But even if you aren't a progressive, even if you aren't a liberal, this stuff is cool. This stuff is cool technology, and it saves you a ton of money. Even if you don't care about, you know, saving the planet, even if that's not your thing, all right, it's still a great thing to embrace this technology because it saves you money, a lot of money. Okay, so when we got our electric cars, um, I got, I remember, I got a $7,500 federal tax rebate when I got my Hyundai Kona. And when I got it, I applied that directly to the down payment. Great for me. Now, I can, we can debate the, the value of that policy from a, a, a government fiscal tax policy. You know, frankly, it's a form of corporate welfare. But it is what it is. It it. it I can't change it, right? That's the way the game is set up. That's the rules of the game that exist. So I'm playing the rules of the game to win. I was able to get a car I wanted that had all this cool technology that I really like. And the government, federal government, gave me $7,500 to use on the purchase of that car. That's great. Okay. Then the state of California back, this is when um, Jerry Brown was the governor when I got the car. They sent me a check in the mail for $2,500. So 
So this car, I was discounted $10,000 by the government. Now, I see that, frankly, as a way for me to get some of my tax dollars back. I mean, because I pay a ton in taxes, not just federal taxes, but taxes in the state of California can be onerous. So it's nice to get some of that back to, to effectively play the game. So if, if you are a, let's say, a, a right-wing, hardcore conservative, I'm telling you, friends, there's, there's money on the table that you could take advantage of if you switch to this green technology. And it doesn't matter if you're, you don't have to be a tree hugger to want to do electric vehicles. You'd be shocked at how fun these things are to drive. They are so fast. I mean, at, at a red light, I can be next to my good friend Pete Neal in his Corvette, and I'll, I'll bet him money that at the instant the light turns green, I can beat him off the line. And I'll probably be able to stay ahead of him for a good distance before that V8 engine in his Corvette really kicks into gear. Uh, these cars are fast, they're quick, and they're really fun to drive. And in many ways, they're like driving a video game. Um, the way the technology is set up, a lot of the video screens, and the way you work to kind of, you know, to essentially maximize energy. You know, there's a style of driving these cars that that rewards you for maximizing energy, so you have to charge less, so you save money. And it becomes kind of a game. I, I see it when I drive my car, it's like playing a video game, which is so cool. It's unlike any other driving experience I've ever had. The other great benefit with San Diego Gas and Electric is that even if you don't have solar panels, you get discounts from San Diego Gas and Electric. If you have an electric vehicle, they will let you pay a, a dramatically lower rate for electricity if you charge in the middle of the night. So this is effectively what we do. Um, we are paying, I kind of try to remember the exact price, but we were paying something like 30 something cents per kilowatt hour during the peak times between 4 and 9 p.m. Now we charge our cars between midnight and 6 a.m. and we're only paying 9 cents a kilowatt hour. We're paying like 25%. It's a 75% savings is what we're paying to charge our cars. And then during the day, we're cranking out that um, so much energy and sending it back into the grid and effectively selling it back into a grid at a higher price. We're totally playing the game here to save money. But even if you don't have solar panels, you can get a lower price on electricity from San Diego Gas and Electric just by telling them you have an electric vehicle. It's a great thing. Pete Neal on the live stream says, it's not about acceleration. It's about apex and apogee. All right, Pete's getting fired up for his trip to Spring Mountain Raceway out in, out in Pahrump, Nevada. I'm going to be joining him. When is that, Pete? That's not this weekend. I think it's next weekend, right? So it's coming up quick. I'm looking forward to that trip. I've got my Airbnb booked. I'm ready to go. Um, what else with electric vehicles that's great is they give you great parking places. A lot of times they'll be special parking spots that are reserved just for their environmental, environmentally friendly friends, right? You'll see this in shopping centers, that it's parking exclusive just for EV drivers. And a lot of times they provide a charging station there that's free. It's free. So I can drive my car down here to the Target in Poway, right next door to that, you know, potentially mysterious, fully automated Amazon grocery store. And I can park right in front of Target. I, I get better parking than the handicapped people. 
<laughs> and I can plug in my car and charge it, and it's free. They 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 charge my car for free. I mean, this is amazing. Um, I can go to if in fact if I recall correctly, um, I went to the Stone Brewery and Gardens up in Escondido, and they had a uh, a parking lot right there on the front, and I could plug in my car. And it was free to charge my car. And now, granted, I didn't get the spot better than the handicapped, but I was the next one after the handicapped spots. I mean, that sounds really awful, doesn't it? That I would get a better parking spot than the handicapped. But at Target here in Poway, I do. It's just unbelievable. Um, but at Stone Brewery, uh, you know, and Garden up in Escondido, which you know, great place. Love that. And and the, one of the owners of the Stone Brewery lives here in Poway, by the way. Um, they uh, they have a preferred parking for their guests if you have an electric vehicle and they provide free charging. So what a great thing. Um, Pete Neal on the live stream says May 1st and 2nd. Yeah. So that's when we're going to Spring Mountain Raceway. I'm going to watch you race Calypso on the, the, the racetrack there. And we'll be looking for the, was it the bus stop turn, right? Or the bus stop straightaway. Um, William Keller on the live stream says, can California's electric grid handle all of those electric cars? Well, that's a good question. Um, obviously, now it's not a problem. I mean, really, it's not. Um, now, as as they build out more and more solar infrastructure, wind infrastructure, you know, a lot of um, a lot of the electricity in California also comes from natural gas, which is way cleaner than coal or other um, kind of heavier carbon sources. Yeah, I think it's doable. Why not? Um, they're building solar farms all over the place, um, and then on top of it, you know, people like me already have solar on their house. So they're already generating solar energy at their home level. Like I said, for me, I'm generating more solar energy, more energy than I use. And I'm putting the excess back into the grid for other people to use. And so imagine if there's more and more people like us. But, you know, is there a, I mean, if everyone in an instant got an electric vehicle, right, at a flip of a switch, at a flip of a light switch, um, you know, there probably wouldn't be. There would probably be huge stress on the system, but it's not going to happen in an instant. And they're building so much more energy infrastructure. It's a huge initiative, not just with Biden and this whole infrastructure thing that's going down now, but it's been an initiative here, especially in California for many, many years. So I expect that, you know, they'll be able to handle this. Um, Yuri Boland says, did you by chance know how many electric charging stations are in Poway? There is one at Walgreens. Yeah, there's one there. I know they're, they put in a – you can go actually to a website called PlugShare.com. And, in fact, I have the app here on my phone. I think I have the app. Yeah, here it is. And it will tell me where all the charging stations are. And I don't know if you can see my, my phone here on the live stream, but there's uh, it shows where they all are. And there is a high-speed charging station that is just recently installed or is about to be completed. Um, and that's at the Walmart Supercenter. I think that's Electrify America that's going in there. And by the way, Electrify America yesterday on Earth Day offered free charging at all their public charging stations, which is great. So there's one there at um, Electrify America uh, at the Walmart. And then... 
What other ones are there? Ah, here's my connectors. Yeah, there it is. Okay. And so there's there's another one. There's there's one that's at the Nissan dealership, which is kind of for their own private use. There's the one at Wal um at Walgreens. There's the one that's in front of the Target, which I was talking about. And there's a small one in the Gateway Medical Center, kind of near the Pomerado Hospital. And then there's another set of chargers that are near the transportation center where twin where Ted Williams Parkway intersects with the 15. But out of all of those, the only one that is a high-speed charging station, which would charge a car like in roughly an hour or less, is the one that's at the Walmart in Poway. All the others are level two, which for my car, I have a level two charging station in our garage. It gives us about 25 miles of range for every hour it's plugged in. So, you know, when I'm plugged in overnight, that's great. That works perfect. Uh, but when I'm on a long distance drive, which I'll be doing when I go to Pahrump next weekend with Pete, I'll be looking for high speed charging stations like the one that's at the Poway Walmart. And there are companies like EVGo and Electrify America and ChargePoint and EV Connect that are kind of like the equivalent of Shell and Chevron and Texaco and Arco, right? Um, but they usually set up shop in a charging station. It's usually in a retail location. Like at a, a lot of them are at Walmarts or Targets because they're used as a magnet to attract customers to go shopping there or to go visit their restaurants, um, like the one at Stone Brewery, like the like the ones in front of Target. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're popping up everywhere, and you're going to see more and more of these installed. Um, I, I just think the technology is wonderful. Uh, Pete Neal says the bus stop turn. Okay, that's what it is. And uh, you approach speed around 112 miles an hour, turn entry around 60 miles, exit around 40 miles an hour, immediately into a 90-degree turn to a straightaway to about 120 miles an hour. Man, this is going to be great, Pete. I'm looking forward to this. We'll be going out to Prump and uh, checking you out there on the raceway. William Keller says they put a bunch of Tesla charging stations in at Dan's Market in Santa Isabel. Yeah, I noticed that there there are some level two charging stations there for, um, I think, ChargePoint. But Tesla kind of has their own network. And Tesla charging stations will not work with non-Tesla cars. And Tesla has been building out their infrastructure. And it's interesting. They're the one of the few automakers that's building out infrastructure. Now, Volkswagen is kind of doing it too, but they're doing it under a different brand. Electrify America is kind of their other, I don't know if it's a subsidiary or a sister company that's funded by Volkswagen. But Tesla is definitely putting in a lot of their own infrastructure. And it's frankly, a, a fraction of the price you pay for a Tesla goes to fund that supercharger network. And they're finding all of these zones in between where charging stations don't exist that are typically high traffic areas. So a lot of people, yeah, they like to go to San Isabel because they can go to Dudley's Bakery and charge their car while they have lunch or get some uh, wonderful bread or cookies. Um, that's a great place there, Dudley's Bakery. So yeah, they're putting those in. They're putting them in all over the place. I mean, in a great spot is, you ever been to Baker, California? That's the home of the world's largest thermometer. It's right there on the 15 as you're driving to Vegas. There are a ton of charging stations there. And it's a great spot, right? Because people are on their drive, you know, to Vegas or wherever they happen to be going. 
So Tesla has, I don't know, probably about 10 or 12 charging stations there. And it's over, a, it has a canopy that covers them in the shade. And of course, the canopy is, is all full of solar panels. And then EVgo has a similar setup, although it's a bit smaller. And then is it EV Connect or Electrify America also has, I think, eight charging stations right next door to the Teslas, also with a canopy to provide shade and solar panels on top. It was perfect. You know, you're out in the desert. So what a perfect situation. And these kinds of things are being built all over America, and it's happening fast. Um, and then, Pete, you shared a link there for the 10 decisions. So I'll, I'll review that link. I think that looks like a good opportunity. Um, William Keller says, Tesla exclusive charging. Wow, messed up. Yeah, you know, it's funny is if you have a Tesla, you you also you, you get an adapter. Like with my wife, she has an adapter that will allow a non-Tesla charger to work on a Tesla car, especially for a level two station. So that's what we have in our garage. I, I have, it's called a J1772 plug. I plug that directly into my Hyundai Kona, but it won't plug into her Tesla. She has to have like an adapter that plugs onto the the charging, and then that will plug into the car. But for the high-speed charging, it's proprietary. And yeah, that is kind of messed up. But you can see Tesla's trying to build their own thing. But you know, imagine if like you go to a Shell gas station and it only works with Ford, and you go to a Chevron and that only works with Chevrolet. That's kind of like what Tesla is doing. But I predict over time, a lot of that will break down. And at some, you know, we're in the early stages of electric vehicles. A lot of that will break down and become more standardized. Um, William Keller says, I ate at the restaurant in Baker. Which one? There's a few of them that are there. Uh, but you, when you, if you drove through Baker, you'll see there's, yeah, lots of charging stations. Uh, Pete Neal says, have you ever tracked back the source of the power at the charging stations? Is it all solar and wind or is there a connection of fossil fuel? Well, you know, that's a good question. So there's no doubt that the, if you are at a charging station, if there's solar that's there, like a solar canopy, or in my case, solar on the roof of my garage, that solar is not necessarily purely directly going into your car. The solar is going into the grid. And then you're pulling off the grid to charge your car. So ultimately, the question is, is where does the energy come that powers the grid? Well, in California, we don't really have coal plants. In California, the majority of it comes from natural gas, which is carbon, which is, you know, a, a fossil fuel. But it, in the whole scheme of things, it's, it's a very low impact fossil fuel. It's way cleaner than something like coal. Like if you're in the East Coast, it's a, it's a different ballgame. But here, even in the state of California, even with San Diego Gas and Electric, you can look it up and they'll tell you the percentage of their electricity that comes from solar and wind and other alternative sources. And the, those alternative sources are becoming larger and larger fractions of their, you know, of, of the primary sources to drive electricity. So in our case, you could make an argument that we're technically charging our car by pulling from the grid between midnight and 6 a.m. when there is no sun. And you could also make the argument that I'm probably getting some of that is coming from fossil fuels. 
But I make the statement that since our solar panels generate more electricity than we consume, we are a net zero carbon footprint. And in the whole scheme of things, the way it washes out, we effectively don't use any fossil fuels. Even though technically we do, we generate more from our solar panels than we, we, than we take in. And so I, I think you kind of get it if you do the math. We are utilizing – we're actually, I think, created a really cool little ecosystem and I think playing the game very effectively. Getting rebates, getting tax dollars back after paying so much in taxes, playing the game to get money back to make your family budget more cost efficient – I mean, it's a huge deal. Like I said, our 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 costs now for the electricity is just what we pay for the panels. Before we were paying San Diego Gas and Electric just for the electric portion, easily over five hundred dollars a month. Sometimes six, seven, eight hundred dollars a month in the extreme summer months. I mean, we have a three thirty three hundred square foot house, but you know we have like kids here, and the electricity's running, the air conditioning's running, and and SDG&E has some of the highest electric rates in America. So, wow. I mean, that's why I say this Green Earth Day is a big deal for our progressive friends. But if you're not progressive, I'm telling you, get on board because this is the way the wind's blowing. And there's huge financial opportunities, huge opportunities to improve your bottom line, but also to make your life easier. And in many cases, a lot more exciting and fun because electric cars are really fun to drive. Um, the other great benefit is, is that, you know, when you're on the 15 freeway and they have that carpool lane that goes down the center and to go in that, you have to have at least two people in your car, you and one other person. But if you're in your car by yourself, you got to pay money to go on that. And during high traffic, it could be like $9, $12, one way to get on that at the intersection of the 15 and the 163, you know, kind of right there in the middle of Miramar air station. And if you want to drive that up to, you know, Poway or all the way up to Escondido, yeah, it could easily cost you eight, 10, 12 bucks one way during primetime traffic hours if you're driving alone. But if you have an electric car, you drive for free. Now, granted, I do have to pay for a permit. I think it costs me like 30 bucks, but I can drive in that for free. What a beautiful thing. And my wife, who, by the way, works down, you know, in San Diego and commutes down the 15, it's a huge time saver for her in both directions because she avoids a ton of traffic. And, you know, especially when there's an accident, boy, she just zoop, zings right past them. What a huge convenience. So I know people that live in the San Francisco Bay Area that don't give a hoot about saving the planet. They think a lot of this global warming stuff is nonsense. Now, granted, I, global warming is real. <laughs> I mean, we can talk about that. It is real. The, the globe is, the climate is changing. Okay. But there are people I know that do not believe that. They think it's all a bunch of crap. But you know what? They bought electric cars because they did it so they can drive in the HOV lanes up in the Bay Area and avoid the terrible congestion that exists up there. So I'm telling you, there's a there's a great case for a lot of this technology if you're, you know, a hardcore conservative or a hardcore Trumper MAGA person. It's it's really cool, um, and yeah, they're they're just so fun to drive, and it's you're not paying for gas. I mean, gas prices are going up right now, right? And 
what gas? How much is gas now in, in San Diego County? It's funny. I drive an electric car. I don't even pay attention to gas prices. I used to, that used to be a major number you would pay attention to. And if gas went up five cents, you'd be like, oh my God, gas prices are going up. I see gas prices fluctuate, but I, I hear people complaining. Is it over $4 a gallon now? It might be, but I don't care because <laughs> I never use gas. It's great. I never have to stop in a gas station and, char- and pl- charge. I don't have to pump gas. Because I just, when I park my car in my garage, I plug in and I go to bed. It charges while I sleep. I mean, it's just so easy. It's just so good. Um, On the live stream here, William Keller says, my son asked me the other day, what happens if an electric car gets wet and asks if it short circuits? No. I've driven, I drove my electric car in the snow in Northern Nevada last month. I went on a road trip. Um, up to uh, Eureka, Nevada. And um, I, yeah, I, I, I remember I got out of my car on a Sunday morning and it was eight to 10 inches of snow covering my car. I had to like scrape my windshield and, and I drove away in the snow. And granted, the roads had been cleared, but it was not a problem at all. I've driven my car in rainstorms, not a problem at all. It's perfectly safe. And frankly, a gas-powered car has an electrical system too, right? Uses electricity to power the lights and the radio and a lot of other things, right? We don't really worry about it in a gasoline car. Why would we worry about it in an EV? So they, they, they take that into account. Um, William Keller says, over $4 a gallon in Julian. Yeah, well, in Julian, it'll be crazy expensive. Pete would know. Pete, how much is gas in San Diego County right now. What are you paying to fill up Calypso? Um, I think it's around four bucks. If it's not four dollars a gallon, it's close. It's three something. You know, that's a lot. Uh, if you've got a 12 gallon tank, I mean, that could be almost 50 bucks to fill up your car. Um, that's something. I and mean, it's a huge savings, a huge, it's enormous. Um, the benefits of having an electric vehicle. Now, there's other things in, you know, talk about Earth Day, um, things that we've done in our house. We have LED lighting throughout our house. Um, now, granted, there are some exceptions. Some of these lights here in my podcast are not LED. I think these are incandescent bulbs. I need to swap those out. Um, they're actually those kind of, you know, spiral fluorescent bulbs. So they're a little better than an old school incandescent bulb, like my, my, like my, my logo. Um, but we have electric or we have LED lighting on all of our primary lighting throughout our house. LED lighting saves a ton of money on electricity because it uses very little and the bulbs last way longer. And it used to be that the LED light bulbs were very expensive, but those have been coming down in price aggressively. I mean, to me, that's a really easy thing to do. Uh, Pete Neal says, I don't know what the price is. It's been weeks since I have fueled up, really. Okay. So maybe Calypso has been babied in the garage getting ready for Spring Mountain Raceway. You'll find out shortly. Um, what other things are we doing to save, uh, the, save the planet? <laughs> uh, you know, talking about Earth Day yesterday. We have solar for our pool, too. Um, and we the, the solar for the pool is not electric solar. It's the kind where... There are these little, how do you call it, like little tubes that are on these black 
platforms and the water flows through those black tubes and they're heated by the sun. And so then they circulate back through the filtration system and back into the pool. And that's what heats our pool. And during the summer, our pool can easily be in the 80s. I mean, it can be really warm when we use the system. Um, now, granted, for our, our jacuzzi, we use a traditional gas-powered heater. Um, but for regular pool use, yeah, we have solar for the pool. The other thing that we've been doing that's been really helpful, talking about Earth Day, is we've been doing a lot of mulching. So I, we live on two acres, um, and we have a lot of land. When we moved in, we had over 90 avocado trees on our property. But our previous landowner, uh, our previous homeowner who we bought from had neglected a lot of those avocado trees and a lot of them were dead. So what had happened is, is the ground was neglected. There was a lot of weeds. Um, there was a lot of landscape like red apple landscape that required a lot of watering, but then would also kind of aggravate the weed situation. And it became a real problem. So we hired a tree trimming company to come in and just knock down all the dead avocado trees and trim a lot of them. And then they brought in a wood chipper and then they covered our property or a good amount of the property with mulch. And what's that's done is has a kept moisture in the ground, requiring us to water our ground far less often. And B has been a great solution to keeping the weeds at bay. It's been a big win. Then what I did is, you know, to get mulch is expensive. If you go and want to get the really high-end, high-quality mulch to go to a, a nursery, I mean, you could be paying, I don't know, hundreds of dollars, if not more, for even a modest amount of mulch. I mean, even go to, you know, a Home Depot or something and get a bag of mulch, um, you know, that costs a lot and it's not very much. So what I did is I found, you know, you see the tree trimmer people here around town. And I remember I contacted like three or four of them and some I called on the phone and then some I would approach when I saw them doing a job and I gave them my address. And I said, listen, if you ever have any extra mulch and you need to dump it rather than drive into wherever you dump it, I go, just bring it to my house and dump it. And they do it for free. So I get all this mulch, like sometimes it'll just show up. Like um, sometimes they'll, you'll just see like two giant piles of mulch that'll show up. And I'm like, cool. Um, and, you know, it's not the pristine, perfect mulch that would cost a lot of money, but it's still really good. And um, so I'll just have my landscape guys, they'll spread it around and boom, we're set. And it works really, really well. So it's kept our property really clean. Um, it's controlled weeds, and it's also required us to water a lot, lot less, which is a great thing if you're trying to save a planet, which is a great, a great situation. Um, what else are we doing? Um, recycling. Now, granted, you know, we all recycle. We got our trash bins. Maybe you have a blue trash bin where you put in your recyclables. Um, what I do is for aluminum cans, I don't put them in the blue bin. For the aluminum cans, I put them in my own bin and then I let them accumulate and then I put them in plastic bags and then every so often I take them to the recycling center and I can make, there's been some days I've made over $100. That's a ton of cans. Um, but I've made over $100 bringing back recycled material and it's awesome. And not only am I 
saving the planet, but I'm putting money in my pocket in doing so. And I think that's a great thing. So, you know, and, and the other, so there's so many things you can do talking about yesterday being Earth Day, things you can do to help, you know, save the planet, but do it in a way that, frankly, even if you're, you know, even if you walk around with one of those red Make America Great hats again and, and you think global warming is a hoax, still, you're leaving money on the table. I mean, you, you could be wasting money um, if you're not embracing this. The government's throwing money back at you to buy these cars, to put in the solar. And if you set it up right, you don't have to have to pay for electricity ever again. And if you set it up right, you don't have to pay for gasoline ever again. And you can minimize the amount you spend on water. You can minimize your electric consumption by putting in LED lighting. There's so many ways to play the game. And even if you're just a conservative to think all the liberals are nuts, <laughs> so the and and the fun thing is, and this is something that I I enjoy doing. And granted, again, I I'm, I support a lot of these environmental causes, but I'm not really a tree hugger. I'm not really a progressive. I'm not a definitely not a Bernie Sanders supporter. I'm I'm not a Mother Earth person. Although I do believe in global warming and climate change, and I do my part, but I'm really more driven by a lot of these economic benefits. But the great thing that I enjoy doing is sometimes I'll engage with some liberal that's online that's like, we need to, you know, end fossil fuels. We need to, you know, all all these environmental causes. And then I'll just ask them, what kind of car do you drive? <laughs> And then usually you get all kinds of excuses or how do you pay for your electricity or, you know, I'm I'm able to essentially not just talk the talk. I can walk the walk. In a lot of cases, in some of those kind of fun little flash wars that you have with your your friends on the other side of the political aisle, you can kind of prove that you're taking a moral high ground that they're failing to do. Um, so to me, it's a fun way to knock down people that feel all high and mighty. So maybe I'm feeling all high and mighty myself, but but um, I, I don't know, I get a perverse joy out of that when I hear people talking about saving the earth and you say, what kind of car do you drive? And it's, you know, again, it's some excuse why they don't have a Tesla or they don't have some other car. And, you know, by the way, you can buy an electric car for like five grand, like a good one. Like you can get a used Nissan Leaf for under ten thousand, um, and those are good cars. Um, it's not like you you have to buy some cheap, you know, uh, you know, inexpensive, um, unreliable electric vehicle. You can get a quality one, and you don't need to you know spend money on a you know like on an old. Ford Taurus, you know, if if your money is tight and you're having trouble affording a car, you don't have to settle for an inexpensive gas car, which probably is going to, even if you get an inexpensive gas car for 4,000, 5,000 bucks, or maybe even a little bit less, you're going to spend so much more on gasoline, on maintenance. I mean, the maintenance on a gasoline car is huge for the oil changes and the transmission fluid changes and the 15,000 mile check and the 30,000 mile check. And then, oh my God, you got to, you know, do a tune up or you've got to replace your filtration systems or you got to, it's always something, it's something breaking. And with an electric vehicle, 
it's there's very very little of that. You when I have my car, you know, serviced, they just rotate the tires. They check the brake pads. They make sure I have windshield wiper fluid. That's it. <laughs> well, they might upgrade the software. You know, I'll get a new software download. Now, I'll, I'll say mea culpa, there's a recall on my battery on my Hyundai Kona. So that's going to be coming soon. Uh, but it doesn't cost me anything. They're going to fix it. Whenever that happens, I'll get the new battery. Um, so th- there's just so many great examples to save money. And I, I just encourage everyone to check out all this technology because, again, even if you are not a believer in global warming or climate change, I'm telling you, man, there, there's huge, massive economic benefits to embracing this technology, to using solar, electric vehicles. Um, it's unbelievable. William Keller on the live stream asked the question, are all charging stations free? No, they're not. So, um, you know, obviously we have a charging station in our garage. It's just plugged into our into our uh, circuit board. But if you're on the road, there are some places that will give you free charging, particularly for what are called level two charging stations which is like a 220, um, is it a 220 volt, I think? You know, those, um, some places will offer those for free. Like when you go to the Target in Poway, there is a charging station from a company, I think it's called Volta. And they have this charging station with some advertising that's kind of built on it. Those are free, um, but many of them are on a network. Like if you're using a network charging station, like from EVgo, Electrify America, you know, these are like the Shell and Chevron of the EV world, you have to pay. So if I'm using a level two charging station, it might cost me, I don't know, a couple bucks an hour. That's not much. And, and that couple of bucks will, you know, maybe give me 25 miles of range. Um, but if you're using the high-speed charging stations, like those could cost me, depending on the ones I'm using and the time I'm using them and how much I need, I can spend anywhere from like 10 bucks to maybe 20, 22, rarely over 25. So to use one of those high-speed charging stations, like the ones in Baker that we were talking about, like the ones that they're installing at the Walmart in Poway, these are the ones that will charge your car from zero to 80% in about an hour or less. They're the ones that if you're on a long distance drive, those are the ones you seek out. Yeah, those will cost me typically 20 bucks or less. And if I had a gasoline car, I would easily be spending more than that. So they're cheaper, definitely, than using gasoline, especially in California. Pete Neal says, does your Kia have dynamic braking? So I, I have a Hyundai Pete, not a Kia, although I know those are like sisters. Um, I have what's, is it called dynamic braking or what's, there's another term for it. Regenerative braking is what it is. So when you use an electric car, what you can see, you can set it up where when you take your foot off the accelerator or when you brake, it can recharge the car during that time. And depending on how aggressively you set set it up, you can, like if you're going down a hill and you take your foot off of the gas, not the gasoline pedal, but if you take your foot off the accelerator going down a hill, my car will add charge because it uses the wheels to 
essentially create more um, electricity. And I, I'm it's probably a little over my skis on the physics of this. Um, but yeah, my car has that. And I can set it up so aggressively that I almost never need to use my brakes unless it's an emergency. So if I set it up super aggressive, the minute I take my foot off the accelerator, the car doesn't coast. It'll start to slow down. Um, and when I have it set like that aggressively, yeah, I can, I can generate electricity while I drive, especially like if I'm, let's just say I'm uh, on a long distance drive and I'm going down the backside of a hill or a mountain. Yeah, I can be adding energy into my battery as I'm going downhill. That's pretty crazy, isn't it? So they call it regenerative braking. I assume that's what you mean, Pete, by dynamic braking. But it's cool. And again, it, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. I'll drive down the hill to maximize that because, again, I, like, I, I equate driving my electric car to like driving a video game. It's fun, and, and I, I enjoy it. Okay. Uh, wow. I thought this was going to be a really short podcast, and now we're at an hour and a half. And I thank all of you for watching and listening. I got a final quote here for you. Um, but again, I, thanks so much for watching the podcast, listening to the podcast. One thing you can do to really help me out is just, you know, right now, like the episode. Just click on the like button. Give us a thumbs up. That's helpful. That helps us in the algorithm. I'm, I'm not desperate for you people to want to like me, um, but it helps in the algorithm. So we're, you, we're more, a more commonly recommended video um, in YouTube. That's really helpful. Um, William Keller says, no offense, but you kind of, you sound, what is it? No offense, but you kind of sound like a liberal with some things. Well, I, I don't consider myself a liberal or a progressive, and I don't consider myself a conservative. I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I'm probably more libertarian than anything. Um, although that's not really a term I embrace, but it's a term that a lot of other people use. Um, objectivist is probably the most accurate label for the way that I see the world. Um, but there are overlap. There are cases of overlap where I intersect with my conservative friends on the right, or I may intersect with my liberal friends on the left. But that's just mostly by happenstance, um, not really on, on from a philosophical perspective. But in this case, with electric vehicles, you know, I follow the science. The science says the climate's changing. I have no reason to disbelieve the scientists. So I believe that, but I take action myself and I really am motivated more, almost more really for financial reasons, more so than, you know, save the, the earth reasons. Although I do, that is a benefit. I often look up, I think of electric vehicles to me, priority one is to um, effectively play the game. To you know, find all the financial opportunities, the financial wins. That's why I embrace embrace EVs. Number one, number two, I embrace EVs because they're fun to drive. And then number three, kind of a bonus, it helps save the world. Uh, but that's not my driving reason. But yeah, I can understand you might think that uh, that I sound like a liberal on some things. Pete says I hate following EVs over the grapevine. They are cool going up, but on the way down, they don't move to the right. And yes, Kia was a poke. <laughs> so, um, yeah, see, you know, you got to be courteous. If you're playing the game to regenerate, you got to, you know, get in the slow lane um, and still drive the speed limit. You can still do that effectively and charge your car. But if you're, yeah, Pete, you're right. If, you're, if they're in the fast lane or the second lane, 
get out of there. Um, and, you know, Kia, I'll tell you what, you know, I can't in a million years ever thought that I would ever buy a Hyundai. Uh, but I have a Hyundai and I love it. Um, I would never think in a million years I would ever drive a Kia. And now I'm not saying I'm going to get a Kia, but Kia is coming out with a lot of really good electric vehicles. Kia, you know, 10 years ago was kind of a joke of a company, but they've really made big strides, especially in electric cars. And they're, there's some relationship with Kia and Hyundai that I don't really understand, but I know that they're closely related. Um, Pete, uh, Yuri Boland says, another great show. Take care, John. Yuri, thank you very much. Yuri I, I, Yuri, I appreciate your support. You're always watching these live streams and, and chiming in. I, I support you 100%, Yuri. Looking forward to having you here in the studio where we can have a good conversation about Poway issues. Uh, William Keller says, I was told you can't jumpstart an electric vehicle. An electric vehicle can't jumpstart another car. Okay. Uh, let's. This is a good topic to discuss. Okay. First of all, an electric vehicle can jumpstart another car. I've done it. Because um, an electric vehicle has essentially, think of it as two batteries. It's got the one big battery that is used to power the engine to turn the wheels to drive the car. But it's also got a regular battery, just like you'd see in a gasoline car that's underneath the hood. And that regular battery is used to run your, your lights and your radio and your, um, uh, your air conditioning and to run the dome light in your car. So this still has one of those batteries. So I, I got into my electric car. I put jumper cables on that and I jump started. I think it was our, one of our old gas cars that we had and it worked fine. Now, the other side of it is, is kind of funny is, um, and this happened to me about two weeks ago. I left my electric vehicle on overnight. I, I, I had not closed my back hatch and it left the light on in the car and I hadn't driven my car like in a couple of days. So then I go out to get in my car and, you know, nothing's working. I mean, I go to hit the start button. It doesn't start up. The dashboard doesn't light up. There's nothing, no juice at all. And I suspected, at first I didn't know what it was up, you know, oh my God, my car is broken, yada, yada. But I thought it more thoroughly and I said, you know what, I'll bet that small battery underneath my hood is what's dead. Now, I could have tried to uh, jumpstart it myself, but I wasn't sure. And I just figured, you know, I hadn't go anywhere and I wasn't in a rush. And Hyundai has this assistance program where you just call a phone number and they come and help you for free. So I said, what the hell? I'll just call them. Now, when you call the Hyundai roadside assistance, they just call AAA and AAA comes. And I had AAA coverage anyways. But at any rate, a AAA guy came. He confirmed what I suspected, that the battery in the car was dead. And then he brought one of his little jumpstart kits. And it's just like a it's like a little briefcase that's a battery and it's got the connectors. He connected that to my car and I turned it on and it worked. And I effectively jump-started my car. And then I drove it around a little bit to kind of recharge the regular little battery that's underneath the hood. So, William, to your, answer your question, you can jump-start an electric vehicle and an electric vehicle can jump-start a gas car. I've done both. So that's kind of a fun little thing. Okay. Wow, we've talked about so much. We've talked about the mysterious new grocery store that's going in in Connecticut 
It's a fully automated Amazon supermarket. Could that be the answer to the mystery here in Poway, California? Could they be putting in a mysterious new automated supermarket here in Poway? I think this that might be it. So we talked about that. We talked a little bit about the Padre Dodger series, but the main point there was the great double play that they turned and this coaching that came from Padres assistant coach Bobby Dickerson. And he said, the more chaotic the game gets, the calmer they need to be. This is a great lesson in life. The more chaotic life gets, the calmer our minds need to be because then we can execute, execute properly. And then finally, you know, we talked about Earth Day for the non-progressives, for the non-liberals. And there's a lot of great benefits to embracing green technology, even if you are not a tree hugger. Okay, I got one final quote, and it's from Howard Schultz. You might be thinking, that name sounds familiar. Howard Schultz, who is he? Well, it's not Charles Schultz, the author of Peanuts. Howard Schultz, of course, was the uh, former CEO of Starbucks, and he actually considered running for president in 2020. He formed an exploratory committee. I, I did a whole podcast on Howard Schultz like years or two ago. Um, he's a very interesting guy. So he's an entrepreneur and he built Starbucks from like a little, you know, neighborhood chain of, of um, coffee shops in Seattle to turning it into like revolutionizing the whole coffee industry. And he made a quote about retailing, about shopping. And, you know, we talked about the fully automated shopping center that's likely going in here in Poway. That's what my spidey senses are telling me. Well, he made a quote about retail that I thought was really good. And he said, you walk into a retail store and whatever it is, if there's a sense of entertainment and excitement and electricity, you want to be there. And yeah, that's that's what's going on at Starbucks, right? They've got a vibe going on at Starbucks. It's entertaining. It's There's a little bit of excitement there. And, and by the way, at Starbucks, they sell drugs, <laughs> legal drugs that people love. That's a great business model. Um but yeah, for the, at this Amazon store, if it turns into become this fully automated um, supermarket, it will be exciting. It will be electric and it will be entertaining for a lot of people. So I look forward to that going in. I think those are some great rules for other retailers. Make your shopping experience entertaining, exciting, and electric. And that's what's going to draw customers, generate word of mouth, and keep them coming back for more. Okay, so this is episode number... Holy moly, what is it? 227 of the John Riley Project. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Uh, you can go to connectwithjohnny.com to find out about all the social media platforms where you can join up with me and we can continue the conversation offline. Have a great weekend. Go Padres, and we'll see you again Monday at 2 o'clock. Thanks a lot, friends. We'll see you later. Bye-bye.